Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk to recorded, recorded live. live. It's 7 34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because we went back to Standard Time. It's November 30th, 2017, and I am in Bangor, Maine, up in the northeast part of the United States of America, and things are going on, as usual, <laughs> lots of things. In fact, I went and uh, took, <laughs> got out my notes and read all my links that I've been saving, and I thought, what's important, and I thought I had a lot picked out, and I went, you know what, I forgot about some fairly big things going on in Maine also, and I probably ought to talk about those, and so it put me a little behind because um, I wasn't I wasn't here last week for Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a good one. We stayed home and cooked. That's what we like to do, and um, <laughs> Jameson's giving me the time and date stamp. I like to stay home and cook for Thanksgiving because that was the tradition in our family here. We tried to stay home and enjoy the day and have it be low-key, and so we'd just stay home and cook, and when it was done, we ate it. No big deal. No fancy schmancy china. No worrying about whether we had a brand-new recipe or who was going to say what to whom. We just laid low and enjoyed the day, and that's what uh, my boyfriend and I did. We had a nice turkey. We had the whole thing. And we sat down and ate it. And if any of you guys were around, we would have invited you to come over if you wanted to do that. It was a lot of fun. I forget about what time we ate, probably about 2.30 or 3 o'clock. But we had everything. It was awesome. Enjoyed it. Not worrying about the people who don't care about me anymore because it's just too hard. It makes it sad. So we're not doing that. We're just enjoying ourselves and doing what we can. And it's making things go faster, and it's making us a lot stronger. And I expect to have a good 2018. I hope everybody does. So anyway, here we are. Um, I don't even know where to begin, honestly. We've had so much stuff going on, and it's all kind of cool. And I thought, okay, should I play something? Should I play a recording? Should I, like, read an article first? Should I, like... um, uh, create this whole, you know, like drama thing, like the uh, monologues and the way that they start out the talk shows and everything, because boy, have I been listening to a lot of people's talk shows and podcasts and things like that in the last few weeks. And they vary from like so boring that you can fall asleep to the automated voices to um, full-blown productions with great audio and video and all of that. And I'm just like, oh, you know... I just want the content. I wish they could, like, consolidate it. And then I think about, yeah, I'm one to talk. I can take four hours talking, and really there's some gems in there, but it takes a while to get to some of them. I think it's important to continue to do this, this uh, particular talk show show, because of the fact that when you are talking to people of like mind and they're all working on the same type of subject matter, it 
if they're just listening and casually talking, a lot of times you'll learn so much from that because you're stimulating each other's thought process. That's how I get some of my best things that I remember is from talking to my friends about things that are important. And nowadays, there's hardly anyone doing that. They're just taking things in. It's like, you know, sponging from wherever they go. They sponge up all this stuff, and a lot of it's crap, as you know. And um, it's really hard to fight against some of that stuff. I mean, I've been in some arguments over the last couple weeks with relatives yet again. Some of them I've lost contact with except to see on Facebook or something. And they get into these, um, like, (laughs) you know, almost like name-calling, like, if you were in a cafeteria, there'd be food fighting or something. And it's over stuff that's not even important. And, you know, to me, I'm a family person. I'd like to have my family around me. I'd like to be happy, and I'd like to be able to talk to people about important things and not have the feeling of threat all the time, like, oh, if you had, I don't agree with you, I'm going to, you know, fling something at you and run. I don't want to have that feeling anymore. And it's just, it's too sad, you know, because we're supposed to be working on the same page together. If we don't agree with things, that's fine. But let's figure out the common ground, and no one's wanting to do that. So I'm hoping that we get back to that in 2018. I see some hopeful signs of things. I see things that are happening that are, um, in my opinion, going in the right direction. (laughs) Some people look at them and go, holy crap, what's going on now? And I just see beyond that, I guess um, this comes maybe from reading and watching widely seeing people from all various social strata talking about how they see the world right now and just trying to, you know, make sense of it and put two and two together, which is kind of like what we've been doing the past several years anyway. Um, And seeing them, you know, some of them slowly having a light bulb go on. It's a little bit dim. It's a little tiny glimmer. But but they're starting to go, huh, you know, because they can't can't, uh, jibe their – beliefs with what's going on like this Matt Lauer thing is throwing people right off the edge they they're like what do you mean Matt Lauer it's an accusation we don't even know if there's anything there um they have some kind of evidence (laughs) and yet they still want to hammer on Donald Trump because of something he said on a secret recording on a bus it's so it's so mind-boggling to me how one thing can be equated with another or covered up so that we're paying attention to only this one thing now. They'll put like a blinder on. It's like, no, we're talking about, right now we're talking about Donald Trump. It's like, well, you know, some of us use context, and we have to see the bigger picture than just one person at a time. And the big picture shows us that there's corruption everywhere. It doesn't really matter what party it is. Um, And so, yeah, you could be talking about just Donald Trump. You can be talking about Donald Trump and avoid looking at anything else. Or you can say Donald Trump in context, what's going on with Donald Trump and the context of our what we're living in, and see something totally different. You know, we can't just take one thing at a time because we don't live in isolation like that. We live in a society where we impact other people. And, you know, the more I think about that and how, you know, one day to the next, we don't know who's going to come into our circle or our path that day and how it might change our life a little bit or a lot. We don't know. We don't know. That's part of the mystery, and that's what makes it exciting sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's what makes it scary. But we talk about philosophy all the time around here. We discuss things 
quite frequently with friends about, you know, what do they think is going on. And um, I just had a lot lot of stuff that's just stimulated my brain to the point where uh, I sometimes have to just flick it all off and say, that's it, I have to to rest for an hour. But it, it really is the most exciting thing for me to do during my day is researching. I want to know what's happening. I just want to know everything that's happening. I wish I could plug right in directly, but I know that would be too much, too. Um, the things that are happening in the larger media world with these um, famous people who are coming down, I think there's going to be a ton of them. I think there's going to be hundreds of them in the next few weeks. Because what usually happens when you have one of these types of um, uh, big shocks to the system that they're having, you know, say in the network and Matt Lauer is out and then the people that come out and pretend they're really sad and then you find out later they all knew about it and there's just this huge um, chaotic, um, I don't know what you'd call that, a milieu, I guess, it's the you know, the, the context they're all living in where even if they thought it was okay to cover it up because they have a product to get out, people are going to start questioning them. And it's not just going to be the public. It's going to be their own families and other people in the business and people they worked with at a previous station. And they're just going to say, how could you have worked right next door to this guy and not done anything when you knew he was raping people in his office, basically, that he was locking them in there and not letting them leave? And how could you just do that? How could you just do that keep taking a check? See, it does affect other people. It affects, like, in a ripple effect, it affects all kinds of people around them, and it keeps just going. And, you know, they're not, even if they didn't actively participate, the fact that they didn't do anything, they didn't say anything, is going to affect people. So, you know, it's been kind of an interesting few days, and I'm sure it'll keep going, because um, people with no conscience and people who are nasty and can do stuff like this because they get away with it. People in positions of power or very wealthy people. Um, part of the reason they're allowed to continue is because they have they have a power of some. They have something that the people want that they're going to you know protect that person. And once they start to fall and they have no conscience, they start taking other people with them because they're trying to get revenge. And I think we're going to see some of that too. It's like oh yeah. You think I what I did was bad? <laughs> this guy did it. My boss did it. The one that fired me did it. 20 years ago, this other person did it to me. That's what happens. They start telling their stories, and you can see a lot of people are coming out now because they feel safe to say something. Some of it's not true. Some of it's like, hey, maybe I can get a settlement check. Some of it is true. And it was just, you know, people had their reasons for keeping their mouth shut. The really complex thing, the whole thing is, the whole um, the whole society that we're living in and the way everything's working, the banking, the government, all of those things, they're just, they're just very, um, I guess, they're so um, intertwined that when you start pulling at one thread, you just keep pulling it and it unravels here and there and you don't really know where it's going to be next, so... You know, it's the same as we've always said, just protect yourself as best you can, kind of lay low for a while and just be very alert to what's happening. Okay, I am going to um, go in and see who's here and say hi to everybody, and then I'm going to just start digging through what, I, what I've what i saved up. 
Um, one of the things I'm going to have to go find that's pretty interesting is our uh, sheriff, our sheriff in Maine. That there was a big story for like a day or two, and then it got buried. Like Dottie would know, this happens all the time in Maine. So, yep, we've got our people. We've got everybody here, I think, except for Desert Pete. We don't see Gene too much anymore, but I think Gene will come back eventually. I think he was just real busy, so. So last time, yeah, I went really long last time. Desert Pete and I were talking for quite a while, and our chat room froze up, and we didn't realize that it was frozen. I just thought no one was talking, and then I couldn't close out the show, and it was really strange. And I came back in, and James Kim was in there. I was like, James Kim, how'd you get in here? It was just strange. I don't know what it did. So, um, Ada saying, I'm grateful for you people. Boy, I am really grateful for people that are here and for anyone in real life also who is out um, interacting with people who need to hear that there's others. In other words, there's people that are awake and know what's going on because they just sit there. They're bewildered. They may only have the uh, view of one one of the many issues that we deal with. They may have only one of them that they know there's a problem with and haven't realized how big it is. It's huge. It's really huge. Um, I saw Jack. Oh, when was it? I don't think it was. It might have been a couple weeks ago. I saw Jack in real life and said hi to him. And he asked if I was still doing the show, and I said yes. And so I was hoping he might show up again some night and say hi to everybody. He's still he's still out there doing his things as much as he can. Um, so it was good to see him. <clears throat> I gave him a big hug from everyone. <clears throat> now I'm worried that I might go into brain overload. It's really funny. I think that um, the brain overload thing as far as from my viewpoint, and I know everyone's different. Thank goodness. I like that. I don't think that the collective was ever meant to be that we were all identical. It was meant to be that we work together. So when I hear someone talking about the collective, I know they're talking about like communism and things like that, but I think of it as the group works together to achieve a goal that's satisfactory to everyone, not that a few of them take advantage and, and trample on everyone else. That bothers me. But anyways, um, to get back to what Dalian said about the brain overload, I would much rather have my brain working on these things, which is like detective work in a way. It's like you take all these things, you look at it, and you try to dig into it and figure out why things are happening the way they are so you can expose the criminals. And um, I would rather be doing this than almost anything else. And the reason is because my brain will work like that regardless. And if it's not occupied with something important, um, it'll go into other things that are not so good. And, you know, that's not a good thing for people to be doing. That's not what our brain's for. It's meant for analysis and, you know, calculation and figuring out how to live life and avoiding, like, being a, a victim of pre- of uh, predators, et cetera. We're not supposed to be sitting there with nothing to do. That's the worst thing you can do. And most of us know that if we've ever had to sit around to do nothing. It's pretty awful. So it's good. I always laugh about people who say, you know, we should get paid for this stuff. 
yeah, we should because it is a job. But on the other hand, you think about it. If you get paid by someone, then you you are obligated to certain things. If you're paid by somebody, if you then you're an employee. And you know, off and on, I've had people say, "Why don't you do a paid broadcast? Why don't you get a job in paid broadcasting?" Well, I wouldn't be able to swear for one thing, and occasionally I do that because I get wound up. I would not be able to talk more than a few measured minutes. They actually have to watch a clock. They get cut off. People are right in the middle of an idea and they can't continue it. Um, They're told certain subjects they're allowed to cover and things they're not. So the media is too controlled. It does not work for me. I can't imagine doing it. Um, And I know there's other ways that people could earn money by selling products or having sponsors or whatever. I know there's ways to do that, but I feel like it's better to stay independent. And that's just my, my view on that. Um, the Bangor Daily News is trying to put up a paywall. They've been talking about it, and there's people in there have been saying, no, they won't come back if they have to pay for it. So they haven't done it yet, but they're claiming they're going to, so that could be any time. If that does happen, it's not likely I'll be going there or using it that much because, honestly, most of the stuff they post nowadays is, is from the Washington Post or AP or somewhere like that, blogs and various uh, human interest stories, and they really don't have that much to do with news. And, you know, that's a lot of what the comments were about was, you know, if I'm paying for it, I want news. I don't want it to be propaganda. I don't want it to be just one-sided. I don't want to come in and make a comment and have it removed because it doesn't agree with the uh, editorial staff. So that is a big change. And if they do it, um, the belief of many of us is that it will go under because it's just... It's hanging by a thread as it is. It used to be a huge newspaper. It used to have like, I think, 10 or 12 editions um, for the various counties and places in the state. And uh, it just now it's a little tiny. It almost looks like a flyer. It's so skinny. And so Bangor Daily News used to be a big, big, you know, very well-run newspaper. And it's sad to see what's happened to it. But anyways. Uh, Hi, guest eight, guest seven. I don't know if we know you or not or if you're hiding out or what it is. but So, all right, I'm going to, Scotty says a full stomach has no conscience. Going on in the Middle East is eight, whatever happened to ISIS. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, isn't it, that, ISIS shows up when somebody needs a boogeyman. I'll tell you, um, I was suspicious of ISIS a long time ago when I started seeing the news reports and seeing all those matching Toyotas, and I always talk about the matching Toyotas because they were brand new. They all looked alike. Well, that's why they were matching. And I thought, you know, how hard is this? Because my mind went to the let's solve this puzzle. See, that's what I would be saying while I was looking at it. Those trucks all match. They're all Toyotas. So somewhere there's an order form for those. There's an invoice for those because you don't just, like, live in the middle of a desert putting together a ragtag militia of some type to go out and do terrorism activities and have trucks that all match like that. It doesn't make sense. 
So what makes sense to me is that somewhere someone ordered those trucks, and that means that there's an invoice and somebody paid the invoice. So who was that? No, you know, nobody ever really wanted to go into that. No one wanted to talk about it. And we don't see a lot of pictures of ISIS. We don't see the Toyotas anymore. At least I haven't. And, um, you know, those are the things people need to ask. When they see something really strange, just ask questions everywhere. Go in and, and uh, try to figure it out. Um, oh, good. Hi, Jean. I just mentioned your name a couple minutes ago. I said you might be back sometime. I'm glad you retired. I retired as well. So we're twins. I retired in August. Um, yes, seven saying Philly just had an earthquake today. I saw that there was an earthquake. It looked like the center was in Delaware. And... Um, the first report I saw said 4.1. The first thing I thought was underground base blown up. I hope it is, if that's the case. I hope they got everybody in there, too. I'm not nice about those things, because I figure if somebody's creating a safe place for themselves while they leave everybody else out to fry, then um, it needs to be closed off. That's my mean side. I do have one. It's because of the justice streak that I have. And... Um, you know, I feel sad if it's somebody who actually believes that it was a safe place so that the state, that the United States would be safe and the government would be safe and all that stuff from some type of nuclear holocaust, which is what they told us as kids. But I think that anybody who's still walking around thinking that's the case in these this day and age when there's so much information showing otherwise that it was to protect the elites and they were going to leave the global commoners to just die and fry on the face of the earth, then that they should have found out. They should have learned it and done something to help. So, um, and I saw later, like an hour later, I saw some other report that said it was bigger than a 4.1. I don't know for sure. Okay, let me see what I should do first. I think I'll go and get my thing to uh, <clears throat> play and get that out of the way, the one that I was going to play, because I really liked it. And it was so uplifting. If you didn't hear it, you may have heard it. I don't know if you guys, if anybody does Facebook. I would do Facebook with you all, but I still need to lay low as far as my real identity. I know that it's it's not a huge deal. I'm not protecting myself, really. I'm protecting other people because, like I said to Jack, I know everybody. It's pretty It's pretty amazing when you go into a place and you meet somebody brand new you've never seen before in your life and you talk to them for five minutes and they know like three or four people you know. It's just the way it is. I'm trying to keep myself able to get information, not have somebody shut me up, and I'm not saying, you know, in a bad way, but just keep me from saying anything in order, you know, putting pressure on and that kind of thing. Um, and also people who don't want to participate. I don't want to have people come in who have ways to... Um, put pressure on, which they probably could do. I don't think it'll be a whole lot longer, though, before we have enough um, enough people out and enough people converted so they understand that nobody will have to do this anymore. They'll be able to be open everywhere. Right now, we still have people who have to be a bit on the under, you know, the under, under the surface kind of thing. So, let's see. 
Facebook is great for communicating at this point. Yes, we know everybody's reading it. Yes, we know that they are probably controlling what's on there, and they're watching everything we do. We have no privacy. Right now there's people probably looking at my face because they know how to get it from the technology. That's what I was joking about earlier. I said Valium's watching me. I think that they can probably see right through the screen of your computer. I don't think you need the camera, actually. I'm not positive of that, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that's true. So I'm making a face. All right. I'm going to play a video. It's a short one, but I really like it. If you haven't heard it, I think you need to hear it. It's important. Let's see. Get it on here. And if you can't hear, let me know so that I can uh, boost it. All you had to offer was friendship. Like who would still be around? Real situations expose fake people, so sometimes it takes getting down on life to find who's really them. You see, people pretend well when their souls are for sale. And sometimes it's the ones you love the most that mostly want to see you fail. That's real. Just because they ride with you doesn't mean they ride for you. That's facts. You see, loyalty shouldn't depend on your presence. It's more about how they act behind your back. Who can you trust? I mean, some of us are fighting for people that wouldn't throw a punch for us, and yet, these are the ones we call friends. You know, the ones that care so much about your struggle, but yet so silent when you win. The ones that bring gossip to you about you, but your name, they never defend. Understand, everybody in your boat might not be rowing, but drilling holes. And as time goes and that jealousy grows, pay attention, because that's when true motives get exposed. Everybody in your circle might not be in your corner. Support doesn't always come from familiar faces. So don't be surprised if God places strangers in your life to take you to higher places. Don't be surprised if your growth makes your circle small. But you got two choices. Let it break you or let it make you. Make your dream even larger. Make your vision seek farther. There's more to your path than where you're currently at. And I think life will teach you this. Sometimes the best way to add to your life is not to add to it, but to subtract. Understand, it's not about the size of your circle. It's about the loyalty that's in it. You see, nothing can stop a squad that's dedicated to fighting for the same mission. Focus on the same vision. Does your circle got that type of commitment? Are they happy for you when you win it? Or is it the more you do better, the more their love gets distant? The more their support goes missing? Listen, real friends don't hate on each other. What they do is they push each other to go get it. In your life, you got those type of friendships? Because mindsets are very contagious. And I promise you this. Whoever you consistently surround your life around will surely persuade it. Wake up. Everybody's prayers for you ain't to make it. So do they really got love for you, or do they just fake it? Do they really got love for you, or do they just love to use you? To some, you're just an opportunity. Yeah, that's how these fake friends will do you. They present what you want just to take what they need. And when they can no longer benefit from your life, well, that's when their loyalty leaves. So I'm going to ask you this question again. If all you had to offer was friendship, who would you still be able to call your friend? Tag them to this video. Let them know you appreciate them. It's rehab time. Let's get it. It's rehab time. Let's get it. That's what he says. Who are your friends? 
it's a really good video. It's a black and white video. He's standing like in a field of um, tall grass. So it's visually a, it's visually nice too. Anyway, I like him. I think it's a very nice message about um, people and how loyal they are. Look into who your friends are, whether or not they actually reciprocate the friendship, whether or not they really appreciate having you around or they're just putting up with you. Um, I am seeing more and more people who are going through difficulties with people who were close to them and finding out that they actually weren't. They were doing things behind their back or they were, like they say, drilling holes in the boat while you're rowing, you're rowing yourself sick, trying to keep everything afloat. And I just, you know, thought you might be interested in that. His name is Trent Shelton. Um, I guess it's Rehab Time is the name of some of his stuff, but I think you can find him pretty easy by just doing a search because he's got other videos on YouTube. And they're all very inspiring. Some of them are like a few minutes long, like three to five minutes on just some simple concept that he tries to get across, and he's very effective. That's my feeling at this point. <clears throat> that particular one, that video was called, Are They Really Your Friends? Okay, I'm going to go back in. Make sure I don't mess up anything this week, hopefully, with this chat room. Okay, um, if anyone wants to go back and get the chat tonight, because some of the people in the chat are putting up links to various things that they're sharing, um, you can go to chatgrabber.com. I believe it's still there. The last I looked, it was. Um, it's a separate site from TalkShoe, but you can go to chatgrabber.com. It's probably where the CIA keeps all their records, who knows, or whoever's doing it. And you put in the show ID, which is 94426, and it will bring you the chat. It won't put any like of the little icons that people put up, but it will give you the links and the um, conversations. <clears throat> that go on in the chat, so you can look them up later. You don't have to worry about trying to write them down. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm hoarse. On that topic, we were sick up here in Maine for uh, some people very sick two or three weeks ago. I was lucky in that I didn't really get as sick as other people did, but I did get a fever this past week for like a couple of hours and a really upset stomach, like sick to my stomach. Nothing else, so I don't know if what happened, but I'm feeling better now. <laughs> so I am uh, on the mend, getting back into things. Haven't found the piano. Well, I know where it is, but I haven't got the piano unpiled yet. But I have reduced the piles in my house. I'm finding some cool stuff, getting ideas for programs. So I'm going to try to keep going for at least for the next few months, I guess. We'll see what happens. We don't know the daily, we don't know the, uh, I was going to say the daily news, but we don't know the um, trends and what's going to be happening because we don't know what's happening from day to day. So we'll see. All right. Um, yep, guest eight, which is Jean. I do that too. I put baking soda in my water. And some other things that worked really well. <laughs> this is what I did last night. Aloe, aloe capsule. It's a powder, actually, and I don't think you'd want to use it very much, but once or twice, if you're having a stomach upset, it started to work almost immediately. I did that last night. I've tried other things, too. 
mostly it just feels like I ate cardboard and I can't digest it. So I don't know what's going on when my stomach doesn't want to digest food, but it doesn't. So I have a yogurt. I have cereal. I don't know. We're just, you know, we're getting older, and so we talk about our digestion all the time and our um, bathroom habits, which is funny as heck, because we used to laugh at the old people for doing that. (laughs) Yes, I do that too. See, we're twins. I love lemon. I love lemon. All right. Um, Hope I'm not missing anything important, you guys. I have so much stuff, though. I really need to start doing it. You have no acid in your stomach, so just sit there. You need to drink vinegar. Uh, Apple cider vinegar with the mother. Yes, I know. That's right. And acid, I don't do any of those. I've had, I actually was sick one time for two years with stomach issues. I don't know if I told this story. I think I'm going to tell it because it's important, I think, for anybody who's having digestive issues. I was so sick. This was, um, when was it? Probably the late 90s. Might have been the mid 90s. It would be easy to figure out the time period because of what I, the rest of what I'm going to tell you. I, yep, brags, that's right. When I was really sick, I don't even remember how it came on, but I was so sick I could not eat anything. I felt horrible every day. I thought I was going to die, literally. I would sit, I remember being out in the truck with my husband. We'd go take, do errands, and I would just sit in the truck. And I'd think, why am I feeling so bad? Am I going to freaking die young because I'm so sick? There's got to be something really wrong with my organs, right? And I was going to the doctors, and the doctor was saying to me, there's nothing wrong. You know, they take my blood, they take, you know, urine samples, they do everything. There's nothing wrong. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not crazy. I'm sick. I feel sick. I'm very sick. Can't eat. So I went back and I had, um, what do they call it, a cholecystogram, I think it is, where they take a, it's like an ultrasound or some kind of, there was some kind of medical test where they would run this, um, it was like a roller type sensor thing across your guts and you know basically watch on a screen and write notes all this stuff and they went all through i mean i was there for probably an hour and a half two hours while this person did this test and was writing notes and i was getting more and more anxious cuz they weren't saying anything and as you can tell i'm pretty chatty and i was just so sick i was like man you know what the hell at least i'm going to find out right so I go in for my doctor's appointment because people that do tests never tell you anything. They always have you go back in and talk to your own doctor or something. And okay, I'm going in and get the horrible news. I've probably got this humongous tumor in my gut or something. So I go in, and uh, my doctor tells me that, <laughs> see, I've got it in my head that it took so long and that nobody told me anything that I'm going to hear something bad, right? My doctor says to me, there isn't anything there. There's nothing wrong. And um, what was the rest of it? We can't even see your gallbladder. Like like they were looking at my gallbladder, but they couldn't find it. So that's what the technician, apparently, or whoever did the test was doing, was trying to find my gallbladder so they could get the pictures of it. They couldn't find anything. I burst into tears. My doctor goes, I, I was really close to that doctor. I liked him. He died. He was a very, he 
turned out he was a very unhealthy person, and I shouldn't laugh, but he had like a quintuple bypass on his heart, and that's not even something that happens. His heart had grown new vessels so that when he had a bypass, there were extra vessels, and they did five, not just three. Triple is usually what it is. Anyway, he was he was telling me this, and I just looked at him, and I burst into tears. And he looked at me like, you know, you're psycho or whatever, because that's what people do when you burst into tears and they've told you good news. And I looked at him and I said, I'm sick. And he said, there isn't anything, you know. And he and I just was like looking at him and I go, at this point, I would go to a quack and have him cut me open and look at what's wrong because something is wrong. And he just looked at me and he says, there isn't anything. You know, I think at that point I was starting to lose faith in the medical profession because I had a lot of faith in it before. It's like, you know, you give a test, they're looking inside your body and they can't find anything. Come on, I'm sick. I've been sick for months. I was sick for, I bet, chasing around after that for a couple of years trying to figure out what was wrong, figuring, you know, I'm just going to freaking die anyway. You know, and it, it puts you in a bad mindset because you're thinking, I'm going to die. What am I supposed to do? You know, it changes your life, obviously. So being a librarian, I had gone to, um, I was taking classes and stuff. I was doing everything anyway back then too. But I was taking classes for different certifications and stuff. And one of the classes that I was taking was uh, special libraries. And we were going and visiting like the Jackson Labs Library and uh, the Bangor Mental Health Library, and we'd go to all these various places, uh, you know, business school. We went, did, I think, Beale College's library and Huston College's library and the University of Maine, things like that, seeing these various libraries that were different than our, our particular public or school libraries. So <clears throat> one of the libraries we visited was Eastern Maine Medical Center, and it was awesome. I loved it. Went in there, and they showed all the the ways that doctors get their information. This was back then. I'm sure it's all different now, but it wasn't a huge library or anything, but they had places where you could, like, look up um, articles on various things. And there were, you know, all the things you would expect to be there, but there were also online resources back then when there weren't that many. Now there are. But back then it was like, whoa, you can go sit in this little cubicle and you can look up these you know, college research things and stuff. And I thought, this is really cool. So I'm thinking, I can find out something about my illness because God knows I can't get anything out of the medical profession. They give me, go take um, my Lanta this many times a day or whatever. Well, it made me so sick and gave me the runs that I couldn't even live my life. I mean, that didn't help. did nothing. It made me sicker. Go take this and it'll, you know take um, prescriptions back then. They were like Tagamet and things like that were prescriptions back then. Take this. Tagamet actually helped a little bit because it took some of the acid away. And there was another drug called, um, what the heck was that stuff? It was one that was supposed to, the way they described it was it was heal, it would heal across any ulcerative conditions you had. So if you had an ulcer in there, it would keep it calm. It would be like putting a bandage over it so that it wouldn't, be irritated when you ate and stuff. The self-digestion 
mode of of stomach ulcers or whatever. I was like, oh man, I forget what that was called. Caraphate. I think that's what it was called, caraphate or something like that. So <clears throat> we're all walking around. We're looking at it. They're telling us the public can come in and use this library anytime they want. Um, they just have to be quiet because the doctors need it for you know their you know their urgent needs and stuff, and they can't take out things. They have to use them there. Fine. <clears throat> so I see this shelf of things. I go, what is this shelf? And the librarian there says, oh, those are the most recent articles that have just come out, and they're not put in any databases or anything yet. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, they're compiled for a certain number of months, like six months or a year or something, and then they go into these other realms. But it would be like something that you publish frequently so that you make sure it gets out there. So they were in print form. I didn't have to go looking anywhere, microfiche or anything like that. So I pulled this big binder off the, <laughs> off the um, thing, off the uh, shelf, and I scanned through it. And what do I find in there? These doctors down in Australia who are saying that this this stomach issue with ulcers and things like this, where people have just horrible digestive problems are caused by bacteria and that a course of antibiotic and bismuth for two weeks will cure them. I looked at that and I went, really? So I'm not going back to my doctor and ask for an antibiotic because they'll think you're nuts because I've never heard of this. It was cutting edge. It was just coming out that people with ulcers weren't it wasn't the fact that they were eating the wrong thing or anything else. It was that they were, their stomach was infected with a bacteria. It had gotten overgrown or whatever. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try the bismuth thing then. I came home. I bought Pepto-Bismol because that's what's in it, and I took it. I took it the, max, you know, the maximum dose allowed for two weeks, and I cured myself. <laughs> I was like, okay. Fine. So now, this is why I go, when I have something wrong, I go find out about it. I read about it. I take the advice of like 10,000 people. Yeah, it's on the internet. Of course it is. How else are we going to get anything? You can't go to the doctors. Everything you say, they write and then put it on a computer. And when you go back the next time, it doesn't even match what you said because they weren't really listening. And I think we're better off, honestly. So... When you go and you have um, an appointment with the doctor and they tell you, you know, well, your cholesterol is a little high. We thought we might put you on this or, we, you know, you need to go look at this other thing. And I, I said to my doctor when I was there, because I hadn't been in a while, mostly money issues, but also concern over what the hell they're doing to people and are they killing off the baby boomers sooner rather than later. I said um, to my doctor, the only thing that I want is, that I want a prescription for is going to be if it'll save my life, like an antibiotic or something if I'm sick. I don't want to take anything that's a maintenance thing for whatever reason because one thing I learned when I was staying up with shingles <laughs> in the middle of the night was that all night long our ads running on various drugs that people in my family took saying that there's settlements available. I said, I don't want to ever see that, and I've been taking it. So I don't want to do that. 
you know, we had things that worked, and they kept changing them, and they kept making it something better or whatever. You can't even buy Tagamet now anywhere around here. You have to probably I could get it at a drugstore, but they don't. They sell other types of things, but they don't sell the one that was Tagamet, Cimetidine. And I think it's because it was probably cheap. They couldn't get the money out of that. So they have some other ones you can get, but they don't work. We're not all the same. Our bodies are not all the same. We're not all the same people. We don't all have the same genetics, which means that what I might take that works for me could really be bad for you. So I agree. You can't just, like, go tell people, hey, go do this, do this. But some of us have a brain. Some of us probably could have gone to medical school if we wanted to and would have understood. And so, you know, to me, an adult makes their own decisions. They don't wait for somebody to tell them, especially when that person has a profit motive. So that's just me. So I guess that's my little side story that took a while, but I'm just saying sometimes you can find out things and it's like you're almost led to it. You know, I believe that. I wasn't getting where I needed to be. I'd been sick long enough. And so, you know, there it is. I feel like God said, go look on the shelf over here. It's going to be right on page whatever. Open it up. Read down through it. I know it looks like fine print, but just read it. And I see on there about course of antibiotics and bismuth. And it was true. That was true. And those, I think those people that discovered that won some type of prize for, re, for um, discovering what the true cause of ulcers were. So, <clears throat> and guest aid is saying, most people fart 3.5. I don't even know what 3.5 means. Is that the uh, earthquake? Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a lot of sense of humor here. Yeah, Desert Pete's saying a 4.1 is barely felt in California. I believe that, too. Okay, I should have done, I probably should have done a interim show last week at some point because I'm telling you, it's going to be forever tonight. I have so much stuff, and I think it's important or I wouldn't do it. I would just skip over some of it. But no, I think it's timely and important. So we're going to go find, first we're going to go find the, um, if they haven't put up their uh, paywall yet, we're going to go find the one that I was telling you about the sheriff because to me this is like, <laughs> it goes along with all the stuff that's happening in the world right now, which is all these pervs are coming out of the woodwork. Um, okay, where's their search thing? I found it because I didn't save a link to this, so i got to find it. Um, sheriff Wayne, what was his last name? Gallant, I think. Gallant spelled like gallant in Maine. I think it was Gallant. I hope so. Come on, find it for me. I want to know what the latest is, if they even tell us. Maybe they've hidden it so good that it won't even find it in the search. All right, we won't do that. Because their website's screwy right now. I'm going to just go look on the plain old... Aha! The Press Herald had something. Press Herald had something one day ago saying that he denied it, and earlier he didn't deny it. So let's go see if I can find the original one that I saw, which was November, apparently November 21st, because it's it is 
still uh, purple from me looking at it. Okay. Maine Sheriff admits to sending lewd photo from his office. So doesn't that sound like he didn't deny it? This was November 21st, but yet the Press Herald, which is the Portland paper, said that um, one or two days ago had a story, but I haven't seen it in our Bangor Daily News. So they're they're letting they're letting us down, in my opinion. This is a huge story to me because we have 16 counties in the state of Maine. This is one of the sheriffs of those 16 counties. So there's 16 sheriffs in Maine, and he is the president of their association. So this is not like just one of the sheriffs of the 16. This is their president. Okay. This is what it says. A Maine sheriff admitted to CBS 13 he sent a sexually explicit photo while in the office and in uniform. Sheriff Wayne Gallant on Tuesday night confirmed that the person in this photo is him and that he did take it while in his office and while in uniform. Gallant is in his third term as Oxford County Sheriff and is also the president of the Maine Sheriff's Association. On Tuesday, he said he intends to step down from his role in the Maine Sheriff's Association. My friend that's a sheriff and our local Penobscot County Sheriff, I haven't heard anything from either of them about this. I mean, is it a club or something? Are they all doing this? I don't know. I'd like to know. I'd like to know what they think about it. But see, other news pushed it off the public consciousness. It'll be back, I'm sure. Um, Gallant says he sent the photo to a woman who he did not want to identify. Gallant declined an on-camera interview but released a statement. I bring discredit to myself, to my uniform, my badge, and the Maine Sheriff's Association. The appropriate thing for me to do is not remain in a leadership position with the association and to step down. What happens from here isn't clear. As a county sheriff, he took an oath and subscribes to the International Association of Chiefs of Police Code of Ethics, which states, I will keep my private life unsullied as an example to all and will behave in a manner that does not bring discredit to me or to my agency. Tuesday night, CBS 13 asked an attorney for Oxford County what steps county government will take in regards to the sheriff's conduct. He said the commissioners can consider filing a report with the governor's office who then can determine if a state statute was violated and if there should be disciplinary action. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, I'll give you that link. Seriously. So this is what we've been dealing with up here. We've had many different scandals going on in Maine recently. As you know, we've had um, you know people who've been embezzling money. They've been having inappropriate um, dealings within their, their public offices. And you go, okay, which town is this now? Oh, it's that town. It's that town. It's that person. And Maine's not that big. So these are people that relate to our families and friends in some way. So we're always going to find out whether or not it's published. So, um, uh, is that Dottie? That must be another one. Is that the same sheriff? Because, like I said, the Bangor Daily News has not followed up. So now that I know there's other ones, I will go look at them. But I haven't seen that. Is that the same sheriff? Okay. Yeah, so that's him. I mean, to me, he should be, oh, 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 good. Good, James Skin's in on it. He's telling us all about it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
he should be out of office. What in the heck? These are people that are elected. So um, if Maine has, um, you know, the still has the sheriff in charge of the county business, the people's, um, you know, business, et cetera. Um, some states, it's a little bit different. Connecticut doesn't have sheriffs. I believe I heard that's the only state that doesn't, which made the whole Sandy Hook thing kind of interesting. So, yeah, um, I hadn't gone into all the details yet, but I felt like that should be something that was mentioned at least about the... Uh, the um, sheriff, because that was since the last time we talked. That was near Thanksgiving, I believe, that story. All right, so I'll, I'll look back into that again and follow up on it and see what's going on. I'll let you know. But that was one that I thought should be definitely mentioned. Um, let's see, what else did I have that I thought was important and I forgot about? Oh, I didn't save this link either, I don't believe. I'm going to have to go back and find a link for this other one too, which I'm sure Dottie heard about as well. But it relates to the um, the national stories as well. In fact, I might have mentioned it last time, but I'm not sure. But now when we've got other things coming out, such as what Dottie had posted about the uh, sealed indictments across the entire country, there's like 4,000-something sealed indictments, and she gave a list of how many in each state. Um, I forget where that originated. I saw where it originated, but we passed it around in Maine. Um, our uh, Secretary of State, uh, I would love it if he's one of them, but I don't know if he is. But to me, if there's going to be nine in the state of Maine, I would think he would be a good one to uh, look at. And I don't know everything that other people do about his his uh, dealings, but he has uh, he has said he's suing. And yeah, I think I did talk about it last time. But anyway, there's more about that in today's. I saw it right before I came on. So let me get the new one and see what the update says. He says that that panel on election fraud is keeping him in the dark. They're not communicating with him and not telling him when the, when the meetings are and things like that. So he's uh, suing. So that was updated today in the Bangor Daily, and I was surprised to see it because I'd forgotten about it. So I said, i got to remember to mention that too. What the heck? I've got things down in my corner flashing. Probably some ad. Okay. I'm on Trump's Voter Fraud Commission. I'm suing it to find out what it's doing. And he wrote this himself for the Washington Post. On November 9th, I filed a complaint in U.S. District Court in Washington seeking to obtain the working documents, correspondence, and schedule of the Presidential Advisory Committee on Election Integrity. What's remarkable about my lawsuit is that I'm a member of the commission, and apparently this is the only way I can find out what we're doing. The commission was formed in May to answer monster under the bed questions about voter fraud, but the implicit rationale for its creation appears to be to substantiate President Donald Trump's unfounded claims that up to 5 million people voted illegally in 2016. Chaired by Vice President Mike Pence, the commission has the chance to answer questions about potential fraud and to highlight best practices to enhance voter confidence in our election system, yet it isn't doing that. Instead, the commission is cloaking itself in secrecy, completely contrary to federal law. 
recommendations for changes in public policy, whether you agree with them or not, ought to come through an open public discussion where any American can weigh in. As the Secretary of State in Maine, I was asked to serve on this 12-member commission by Pence's office. Although I'm a Democrat, <clears throat> I accepted because I believed that membership would allow me to defend the election process from a position of authority as a fully informed and engaged participant in the President's review. <clears throat> commission has met just twice, but it's made some waves anyway. Even before we first convened a June 28th memo signed by Commission Vice Chairman Chris Kobach to the Chief Elections Officers of all 50 states, requesting detailed voter information was met with fury. The Mississippi Secretary of State, Republican Delbert Hoseman, invited the Commission to jump in the Gulf of Mexico, one of many colorful responses. Perhaps more striking is that the memo wasn't written by staff. It was written by individuals who were later named to the Commission, but who were working outside of government at the time. The letter went out immediately after our first conference call, indicating that Kobach's data gathering effort was underway before the Commission formed, but no one told members of the Commission that. I learned about it from the press. See why I would feel like some suspicion about this? I feel it well, I've said before, I feel like Trump has brought people in that know things and then gathered what he can from it. And <laughs> I would love it if it was one of the reasons why he's not hearing anything is because they were just gathering evidence about Maine. We'll find out, I suppose, at some point in the future, one way or the other. But that's our state has a lot of corruption, and Dottie has exposed a lot of that. Um at our first meeting at the White House complex in July, Trump made clear his motivation for convening the commission. This issue was very important to me because throughout the campaign and even after it, people would come up to me and express their concerns about voter inconsistencies and irregularities, which they saw, in some cases having to do with very large numbers of people in certain states. The second meeting held in New Hampshire in September was electrified by unsubstantiated charges of rampant voter fraud in that state, leveled by Kobach a longtime proponent of the theory that voter fraud is a pressing danger, who also serves as Kansas Secretary of State. Strangely, his charges had less to do with how voters in New Hampshire had conducted themselves than with the structure of the state's election laws, which Kobach apparently dislikes. But neither the agenda for that meeting nor the list of witnesses invited to speak was vetted by the commission as a whole before the public session. It just appeared. And then it has a link to... Dunlap sues Trump voter fraud panel for access to blocked messages. So it has a link to that. I have served on many boards and commissions in my nearly 20 years in politics. I've never seen a session where members only learned about what would happen in a meeting when the agenda became public. Since that meeting, there has been total silence from the leaders and staff of the commission about work happening behind the scenes. After repeated instances of learning about the commission's activities, only because reporters asked me about them, I sent a letter to Executive Director Andrew Kosak on October 17th asking for information, including communications between the commissioners and federal agencies about what the body I'm supposed to be a part of is doing. My request was simple. I am seeking information because I lack it. I am asking questions because I do not know the answers. I am a keen observer of the public discourse, and it has made been made manifestly clear that there is information about this commission being created and shared among a number of parties, though apparently not universally. 
Thus, I am in a position where I feel compelled to inquire after the work of the commission upon which I am sworn to serve and am yet completely uninformed as to its activities. More than a week later, on October 25th, I received the following reply. I am consulting with counsel regarding a response to your request to ensure any response accords with all applicable law. That same day, I was forwarded a fundraising email from the conservative Minnesota Voters Alliance touting its invitation to present at our December meeting, the first I had heard that such a meeting was even being contemplated, much less scheduled. When I asked Cossack about our future meetings, he replied that no meeting was scheduled for December. I have yet to hear anything further. Our itinerary isn't the only thing I can't get clear information about. More than a month ago, the Washington Post reported on the arrest in Maryland of a researcher for the Commission on Charges of Possession of Child Pornography. I can't get answers about the disposition of the case. Is this researcher still employed by the Commission? Has he been placed on leave? Has he resigned? I have no idea as I have not received a response to my query to the Commission. B, another reason why I feel like there's something going on here because if there are grand jury indictments, they won't tell people. It's a secret. So it could be why they're not communicating. It's possible that there's something going on that we don't know about. But to me, it, it's just odd. This whole thing is odd. The whole thing. Him writing this for the Washington Post is odd. The fact that he's suing to get information of a commission that he's on. The fact that he was chosen for the commission in the first place. They're all odd things to me. So this is very high up in my list of priorities to look into. And I will be following this too. The commission was established by executive order under the auspices of the Federal Advisory Commission Act, FACA, which requires notice of our public meetings, disclosure of our work product, and the opportunity for public participation. FACA, which is their, they like nicknames and acronyms for everything, was pre written precisely so Americans would know what the government is doing and what it is considering so we could participate in that process. One of the agencies that some commissioners have been reportedly working with is the Department of Homeland Security, which oversees the implementation of the REAL ID Act and has designated state election systems as critical infrastructure. DHS may decide to enter into the field of elections management under the ubiquitous mantle of national security. Without transparency about the commission's actions, how can you find out if a policy is being developed that may require you to have a real ID compliant driver's license to vote? Or whether you'll have to prove American citizenship at the polls? How will you know about changes under consideration to voter registration deadlines or new restrictions on absentee balloting? Of course this is politics, but remember, we as American citizens are supposed to own the process. The desire to prevail in an election campaign has led to some sad episodes of voter intimidation and suppression in our country's history. The Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity should endeavor to challenge those fears and answer them, not add to them. And then it says, um, Dunlap, a member of the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity, is Maine's Secretary of State. Well, of course there's going to be a field day on this. There's going to be lots of opinions about this because he's a Democrat, he's an active Democrat, and because he and Janet Mills, who is our Attorney General, are not chosen by the people but the legislature. Um, the, the other thing that enters into my mind about um, this whole thing is that his, um, 
his stance on Real ID was important back when they were saying about how it's not constitutional to require people to have identification upon request, basically a, a state ID or a, a national type ID, which made it difficult because some of the different uh, global global issues like people traveling and um, I think going to Canada and things like that. I didn't follow up on all this stuff at the time because I wasn't doing any of it and didn't plan to, so it was like sort of off to the side. But Maine made a point of doing things he did personally, uh, made a point of doing things in such a way that we would not have to comply with it. And now Maine is kind of having to catch up because it's being forced, basically. So there may be something to do with that stuff. And also the fact that things have changed as far as how people vote. Um, all of our little small wards and districts that we'd vote all over the place in different places like town halls and schools and everything else, they got consolidated. And here in Bangor, everybody votes at the Civic Center. Everybody goes there. It's, it's like centralized. And um, I'm not sure that that's really legal, but that's what they did. It was about the time of the Ebola nurse, because I was thinking, here we are. Everybody's sick, and we're all down here together. <laughs> so much for epidemics. But um, they started doing that. And then this recent election where um, people wanted the ranked choice voting forced because the people voted for it. They got the votes. They got a petition. They got the votes. And by citizen initiative, they voted to pass ranked choice voting in Maine but it's not constitutional, so it hasn't gone into effect, and they're trying to force it into effect in Maine. So there may be some shenanigans there, too. Um, we don't have a Secretary of State and an AG who are even seen as neutral. They're both very partisan, and they don't mind showing it. So, And there's been some other shenanigans. There was something to do with, I believe it was the Medicaid expansion in this last election, where um, the petitioners didn't, satisfy the requirements properly, and yet it still went on the ballot. That is something that's the Secretary of State's responsibility as well. So, you know, maybe Dottie has something she's able to contribute to that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, but I thought that was a really important one, too, because this this does bleed out into other parts of the country due to the fact that it has to do with the election investigations. So that was a really important one, I think. Um, let's see if I can get you this. The one I just read is right here. Um, <laughs> guess nine. Um, school superintendents and principals are all CIA agents. Their job is to cover up. Hey, I wouldn't be that surprised <laughs> to tell you the truth. My last, well, not my last principal, but somebody who I valued highly that I worked for. She used to give me a wink every now and then, which was like she had a little secret. I always wondered about that. What the heck is the winking about? Um, yeah, the people that can observe, that's for sure. Um, people that are in positions such as delivery drivers, et cetera, yeah, they, they've always kind of creeped me out because of the fact that I know that they see everything. People that work in schools see everything. You see the entire town. You see the parents. 
the kids, you know what's going on. They swear you all to secrecy. God forbid you should ask how somebody's sick parent is because somebody will say you've violated some, you know, some rule somewhere. You're not supposed to talk about anything like that. It's private. It has nothing to do with school. It's a family privacy thing. So you have things like Sandy Hook that can happen and nobody can say a word, even though they certainly must know things. Um, where's the thing that I found? Oh, I found something written on the Internet that related to all this Donald Trump stuff and having to do with... Uh, um, how things were operating, and I found it very interesting because uh, there was a tweet that the president had sent out, and now I don't know if I kept the original tweet. Maybe it will remind me when I start reading this, but this was so so interesting and important. Let me see if it's at the bottom, possibly. I copy and paste these things thinking I'm going to remember because it isn't that long, and then I don't do a show and I forget by the next time. The tweet itself, I think, is missing from this, but the person's name was called Imperator Rex, and I don't know what Imperator means. I-M-P-E-R-A-T-O-R underscore Rex. I read down through this. I found it in a really interesting viewpoint and Maybe the person, somebody who's leaking, who knows. I just thought it was interesting, and it did match with what I think is going on. So I said, I'm saving this. It's called a taxonomy of an insanely clever Trump tweet and some observations. So this is somebody who obviously studies on these things, who looked through... Oh, I, I did copy the tweet in case it was removed. I did copy it. I copied the words, so it's not a link to it. But it was, it was. Um, this person was making comments on this tweet that the president sent. Crooked Hillary Clinton is the worst and biggest loser of all time. She just can't stop, which is so good for the Republican Party. Hillary, get on with your life and give it another try in three years. Well, when I first saw that, I thought... What do you mean give it another try in three years? She's supposed to be in a penitentiary by then. What do you mean give it another try in three years? I remember stomping around going, are you kidding me? We can't wait three years. The woman needs to be brought to justice like three years ago or more. Not into the future, please. So here's what um, this person wrote. Number two, a reminder, Trump is Sun Tzu's best ever student, you know, the, the war guy, art of war or whatever. In fact, a true master of the ancient genius. Here's one of my threads on the subject from September. Some thoughts on winning without fighting. Let's start with a Trump tweet, 17 July 2012, and then it gives a link. Number three, the key thing to remember is that every tweet Trump creates is meticulously prepared to achieve strategic objectives down to the timing of release. In this case, at least 10 objectives. So he puts some of the things that he believes. So if there were links, they're gone now because I copied and pasted, so sorry about that. But there are things you could go and look up if you wanted to find out what the tweet was of July 17, 2012 or whatever. You could go back and find that, I guess, somewhere. Maybe Google. I don't know. 
the outline with what I found interesting. Okay, the, number three, the key thing to remember is that every tweet, okay, we did that one. Number four, he puts, number one, it boxes the Democrats in by framing them as Hillary Clinton's party, something they're desperately trying to get away from. Trump ensures that each new path they try to take away leads back to Hillary Clinton. Oh, that's certainly true. I agree with that. Number two, it forces Hillary to stay in the public eye. Dems are desperately trying to get rid of Hillary, but this will force her to continue, or it will appear she's conceding to Trump. Her massive ego simply can't allow her to slip away quietly. I also agree with that. Number three, it deepens the split between Democrat supporters who support Clinton and those who want her gone. The Obama, Sanders, and Clinton factions are now in open warfare with each other. A divided house cannot stand, especially if it's broke. I also agree with that. Number four, it forces Democratic Party politicians to take a public position on Hillary Clinton. Those who disown her but have supported her in the past will be attacked as hypocrites, while those who remain silent will be judged to still support her an even worse position. Number five, it reminds undecided voters of the above, creating doubt, creating doubt in their minds about the Democratic Party. They may or may not decide to vote for Trump, but they definitely won't bother voting for a Democratic Party shit show. Excuse my French, I'm reading it as it's written. Number six, it subtly messages that GOPE is dying. Notice how Trump is rebadging the GOP as the Republican Party as he continues the process of transforming it into Make America Great Again coalition. Clever as hell. Number seven, it confuses the Clintons. My opinion, he creates the deception that he's going to let Clinton go, even encouraging her to continue in her delusion of running in 2020. When she's indicted, he can also say he didn't know it was coming. Number eight, it strengthens, entertains, and reassures Trump's base, as well as providing a counterpoint to the democratic chaos. The tweet is hilarious. Trump appears in full control and relaxed. It's reassuring in uncertain times. Number nine, it deflects away from his ongoing assault on the Turtle Brigade, GOPE, and dismantling of their power. This is a big deal, but it's largely happening unnoticed. Number 10, it infuriates and distracts the liberal base. Trump now lives in their head 24-7. The reaction in the comments is insane. You'll laugh, you'll cry, mostly you'll laugh. Trump is controlling their emotional reactions and decision-making, and they don't know it. If you can, read my earlier tweet about Sun Tzu. Trump is creating momentum with different attack lines. Tzu describes it as creating a torrent of water that becomes too strong for opposing forces. Once the resistance of enemies is crushed, you have won without fighting. But in the meantime, learn from the work of a true strategic genius. Ten objectives achieved simultaneously in less than 40 hilarious words. Like I've been saying, the guy is on another level. His opponents should bend the knee or expect to be a bitter defeat. The end. Make America great again. So this person had taken the time to think this all through. I agree it's probably true because everything that I've seen happen that I've been upset with has turned out to be genius. 
I don't think that happens by accident. Um, I think that every move is planned, and I think the timing is planned as well. Something that happened today, I'm having to drink water because I'm starting to cough. Um, the thing that happened today where um, people were very upset, especially in Europe, about the fact that he tweeted something about um, um, the Britain first or something like that, and it was an extreme right-wing group and it was against Muslims or whatever. I haven't really gotten into it too much, but I had heard a couple of things today where people were just totally incensed and said that he was absolutely crazy and that he'd lost his mind and everything else. And I turned around and looked at my boyfriend and I said, however, most of us that didn't hear anything about any of this stuff are now going to look it up. <laughs> and if you just told somebody about it, they'd go, oh, okay. They'd go back to sleep. But if you make them upset, and they don't know what you're talking about, but they're really, really ticked off, and they want to get ammunition because that blankety-blank crazy president we have has said something again, they go and they look. And I'm sure they can watch the uh, Google searches go right up every time he says something like that. So whether or not he did it inadvertently, I don't know. But there's going to be a lot more people that know about the issues regarding Britain first or whatever it is that they were complaining about because even the people on that you would think would be on the side of President Trump were complaining today and criticizing. So um let's see. Thinking if there's anything else related to that. The world situation I know that it sounds like it's still really dangerous as far as Korea and all those things, but I honestly don't think it's as dangerous as people try to make out to scare us, you know? Um, because it's... Um, I think it's more stable than it was, honestly. I think that people would be very, very stupid to try to upset the apple cart at this point. Um... I don't know what you see from where you are, but looking at my uh, um, see, I put I saved stuff a little bit, like I said, and then I don't remember where I got them or what they related to. This one looks like it was uh, somebody telling about how uh, the deep state operates or how they planned ahead to make sure that they could keep their control. So I'm just going to read you this. It's only four points, but it just says seen on the Internet. I keep stuff and I don't always attribute it because sometimes it's just someone's comment in, the, in a news article somewhere. So if it's really good, I'll just keep it. I don't know who wrote this. I don't remember where I saw it. So I just put seen on the Internet. Okay, number one, use money and sex bribery to obtain control over people who already occupy positions in high places. Once under control, use threats of blackmail, financial ruin, public exposure, and physical harm to keep them under control. We already know they do that. So that's why we have the problems we have in banking, media, you know, government, etc., because that's what they do. Number two, other persons who come under control are to be placed into high positions as experts, in quote, specialists, 
and advisors, these are all in quotes, and used to influence and control executives at the top so they will act according to the whims of the entity. Um, pretty much we've seen that too. You have people who they're put up there as spokespeople or the shining example or whatever. Like whenever they talk about prisoners of war, they used to trot out John McCain and now we know that most of that was just for show. It was like being a puppet and a performer, you know. Number three, entity agents agents on the faculties of colleges and universities are to recommend students possessing exceptional training in internationalism. They are to be indoctrinated into accepting the one world socialist ideology and bribed into working for the entity. That's something else that we've learned from studying the things that we study on. You know, especially Able Danger got into this right early on. I mean, they recruit people from colleges. They're college age when they get compromised. So, yes, these people, a lot of times you'll go and look at their background, look at Wikipedia or whatever, and it will say that they were studying, you know, international affairs or something like that. And they're at these colleges, and the next thing you know, they have a job somewhere, government job, and get compromised. And then they have them forever. They have them as, you know, like Hotel California, you check in, you check in any time you like, but you can never leave. Um, number four, the agent of the entity, agents of the entity, are to obtain control of the press and all agencies which give information to the public. News is to be slanted so that the masses will come to believe that a one-world government is the only solution to our many problems, those problems having been purposely created by the entity. So problem, reaction, solution, and the one-world government and everybody doing everything the same way will be the best thing for everyone. So there you go. Um, let's see. I had a video on how people get healthy by sleeping. This was a whole, it was a big long thing that I kept, but it was pretty interesting and it was saying that people that need to sleep a long time so that their body can heal, um, that the body can actually heal itself if you do sleeping correctly. You cannot stay up half the night or sleep less hours and expect your body to be able to heal because it can't. And I found that really interesting, so I saved a lot of that. So if anyone's interested in any of that stuff, Email me, gingercookie87 at yahoo.com, and I will try to find you this and just send it to you so you can go and look through it or listen to it or whatever. Because I haven't put it all in one place. I haven't gone through it again. But it basically says, um, you know, like vitamin deficiencies and lack of sleep and things like that. You can actually heal yourself and get really healthy just by sleeping a lot. And I thought that was an intriguing idea but I believe it's probably true because the body does different things during the night while you're sleeping. Um, All of the sex scandals that are going on with, uh, you know, Al Franken and Conyers and the various media personalities and officials here and there and everywhere, that's going to be an ongoing thing. I already talked about that earlier. Um, Today on Howie Carr, which I listen to most days, today was really a good one, and it was very funny in a lot of ways because they just they keep 
you know, bringing things forward and they talk about all these people they know in the media and stories that they're doing, things you wouldn't hear other places. There's a lot of detail to it because those people dig in. They don't just, like, tell things and laugh. They dig into their stories. Today I thought was really good. Um, if you're interested in any of the things that relate to especially New England because they mostly focus on New England and um, some of the national politicians and things, but um, there's a lot of times there's insider things on there that they talk about, and it's just because Howie's been around a while and he's known people really well in his various jobs that he's done. He's a newspaper columnist and also has had the show for a long time. So if you're interested in that, howiecarshow.com. You can listen to uh you can listen to it right on his website. There's also a YouTube channel. And there's a poll question every day. And around a little bit after five o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time, there's a chump line where they re they play the messages that people call in and give. So sometimes there's funny things on there. Um got some other comments that people um, sent to that I copied, but I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep them. There's too much, too much. Uh, Bannon's speech when he was over in Japan was so good. I don't know if anyone saw it or if it got kind of buried in the, um, all the news coverage that came out, but when President Trump was abroad and came back. I believe it was right near the end of that or right after. Uh, Steve Bannon was in Japan and he made a speech. It was so good. And it was about um, China and the world situation. I'll try to find the link to it somewhere because I couldn't find it at the time and I never did go back. But it was worth watching. It was interesting in how the people treated him and what he had to say was, was really good, I felt. And um, as we know, these things don't get covered and they don't get the attention they should have if we had a real news media. Um, there was a big conference. There was a huge conference called, um, what was the name of it? I saved the, well, I'm going to go open this because I think this was really important too because I'm going to use it as a launching off point for research. So all you... Uh, what do you call them, spooks, deep state people that are listening in tonight from wherever you are in your little cubicle. This is a really good launching off place for us, and I'm so sorry that people didn't have the integrity to keep your meetings silent, uh, you know, silent and secret because um, somebody was stupid and left the uh, brochure out or whatever, and it got scanned. I forget how it happened, but anyway, it got out. And so everybody knows that you met, and everybody knows who was there. So here's the uh, here is the little Washington Beacon story, free Beacon story about it. Resistance royalty. Pelosi Soros headline left headline left biggest dark money conference. Private memo gives inside look at Democracy Alliance's latest secret donor meeting. It was published on November seventeenth by Brent Scherer and Joe Schostall, 
Carlsbad, California, a secretive three-day conference where big-money liberal donors are plotting the next steps of the resistance will be headlined by Friday speeches by on Friday with speeches by billionaire George Soros and Democratic House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, according to internal documents obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. The Democracy Alliance, a donor club of deep-pocketed liberal donors that each pledged to direct hundreds of thousands of dollars in funding to approved left-wing groups, descended on California's posh La Costa Resort on Wednesday morning for its fall donor summit. The group continued its tradition of secrecy, promising all members and guests of the summit their participation would remain confidential. The first page of the conference agenda, which was obtained by the Washington Free Beacon and can be viewed in its entirety below, lays out participation guidelines explaining that the Democracy Alliance is a safe place for donors and activists to meet. Guests are instructed not to share members' names with the press, not to post to any social media sites, to contact Democracy Alliance if the media or a blogger contacts them, and to refrain from leaving sensitive materials out where others may find them. This latter directive was ignored. The agenda for the meeting, titled Beyond Resistance, Reclaiming Our Progressive Future, lays out three full days of events culminating in a Friday night dinner headlined by Pelosi. And then there's a link to uh, Scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D, where people put PDF files. There's a link to the file. A few hours earlier, guests can attend a talk with George Soros, who will be introduced with a special videotaped message by Democratic Senator Kamala Harris of California. All of the events are scheduled to take place at the La Costa Resort, which features 17 tennis courts of both clay and hard surfaces, including one with 1,000 seats for spectators, 36 holes of golf on the Legends course and the Champions course, an array of pools, including three hot tubs that overlook said golf courses, a spa building, and the Deepak Chopra Center, where guests can do yoga or receive mind-body medical consultations. <gasps> wow. Pelosi and Harris are not the only two politicians to have a presence at the swanky conference. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, Democrat, held a Thursday event on his re-election efforts. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota will speak on Friday about Russian interference in the 2016 election, and Representative Ben Ray Lujan, I guess that's how you say it, Minnesota, who chairs the DCCC, will attend a festive brunch on Saturday morning. Also making a special appearance on Friday will be Virginia's governor-elect, Ralph Northam. The agenda also lists special guests at the conference, some more famous than others. Attendees showcased in the agenda range from failed California politician Sandra Fluke to liberal CNN contributor Van Jones to Center for American Progress CEO Neera Tandon. Jones was headlining a Thursday dinner on going outside the bubble and learning from Trump voters. Not all events and prominent guests are listed in the conference agenda. Not listed, for example, was a Thursday night happy hour hosted by Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards, who was spotted in attendance. Also not listed as a special guest at the conference was David Brock, who checked in early Wednesday afternoon and has made himself highly visible at La Costa, slowly strolling around the sprawling property and staying up at the hotel bar till past midnight. Brock is not a partner of Democracy Alliance. In fact, he has worked to create his own liberal donor network, but groups he controls, such as Media Matters for America, are among the many groups Democracy Alliance directs funding to. Not listed in the agenda or spotted at the resort has been billionaire Tom Steyer, 
one of Democracy Alliance's most prominent members in the past. Pelosi publicly reprimanded Steyer earlier this month for running a $10 million ad calling for President Trump's impeachment. Also not listed in the Democracy Alliance program was a meeting held by patriotic millionaires who gave a Thursday morning briefing on the tax fight and what is at stake. The briefing was delivered by Larry Michelle, Michelle of Americans for Tax Fairness, Thea Lee of Economic Policy Institute, and Jacob Liebenluft, a member of the Obama administration's National Economic Council who is now with the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Not all meetings at the conference are open to all guests. Some meetings are by invitation only, for prospective partners only, or for partners only. Right before Pelosi's speech, for example, will be Partners Only Forum, dedicated to committing resources. The Democracy Alliance has never made its commitment decisions available to the public. Democracy Alliance President Gara LaMarche wrote in a letter to attendees included in the agenda that President Trump's November victory was the most cataclysmic election of modern history. So, <clears throat> within this article that I just read, is the link to the actual brochure, and it's pretty lengthy, and it has pictures and names. So I already took it. I I already took it. So these people, uh, one of them was the wife of the governor of, was it New Mexico? Remember the one that I said was involved in that Council of State Governments that I wondered what a United States governor was doing? in this like alternate universe that sounded like a whole structure for government for the world while well, his wife was there. She was from New Mexico, so I recognize the name Sandoval. Okay, so that's the conference thing. And that was a interesting thing because being secretive like that, I had just seen someone that I knew had said something about flying somewhere, but never really said where they were going. Never mentioned it to anybody but just said they didn't like flying. And I thought, well, that's weird. I wonder where they're going. And so now I have an idea they may have gone to California to this meeting because we have very active Democrats in the state of Maine. They're trying to get Maine to uh, you know, basically turn communist. So that's that one. You guys must be getting sick of me by now. I've been talking a long time. I'm trying to get up through my links to see if there's anything else that's very important or not. There were names I put on here on my links and different different things I was going back to, and I have no idea what they are. I think I'm almost to the top now. That's my little bell when I click on it. Okay, a re- representative, Christina Hagen. Um, I saved a Twitter that she had sent, apparently. I have no idea what it means. I don't remember what it is. Oh, Christina Hagen destroys a liberal donor. And it was something she said. This is short. This is like two minutes. I'm going to play it, and then I think I'm going to be done after that if uh, Desert Pete wants to call in. I think I'm going to be done if nothing else occurs to me before that. Okay, I'm going to play this for you. Hopefully it will play. Your choice to run as Republicans is interesting. In a different time with a different leader at the head of your party, it might be a different situation, but this is this time, this is now, and we have a sexual assailant in the White House who's running your party, so why are you a member of that party? What I can tell you is I'm about to become incredibly unpopular in this room. 
And the reason being is I truly believe that Donald Trump is the president that is needed for this time. And hear me out. I met this person on the campaign trail. And when I met him, he treated me with more respect than the GOP establishment has ever treated me with. And his children were respectful. They were hardworking. They were intelligent. They were articulate. They spoke to policy. We sat for two and a half, almost three hours. I talked to Eric and Laura Trump about policies as far as Fred as foster and adoption care to the financial crisis that we are in as a nation. Um, anything from the tax code to you name it, energy utility policy, which are incredibly important to both Republicans and Democrats. Our fiscal house is in extreme disarray. And whatever your policy positions are, nobody can argue that $20 trillion in debt, $60 trillion in owed services, $60 trillion in debt on those owed services is a detriment to this nation. So I am proudly in support of the President of the United States. And I was a supporter of Cruz before I was a supporter of Trump. So is a man flawed? Absolutely. But I think every person in this room is flawed, and I am flawed as well. I mean, I think that we all need to be met with grace in our pursuit to serve. And if you look at somebody who's willing to forego their extreme financial opportunity to try to better the country, that's commendable and respectable, in my opinion. And I know I just lost a lot of friends in this room. But I have to speak my truth and say what I believe. I met the person. That was my experience. Um, being on the campaign trail, even for Donald Trump, was lonely. But I did it because I believed it was the right direction for our nation based off of his policies and his direction. And in that experience, I was named as the youngest female to chair the Electoral College in the history of the state. So I don't think that he is anti-woman by any means. That's not been my experience on a direct basis, but that has absolutely been the rhetoric that is spread far and wide every day in the media. Um, it says she is mother, wife, candidate for U.S. Congress in Ohio, 16, currently Ohio State Representative in Ohio, 50, and she was on Forbes 30 under 30, so I would say she's under 30. Um, I thought she was impressive, so somebody to watch. There have been a lot of uh, places where people have been speaking in public where there have been um, former Democrats or liberal people speaking in support of the president, which is kind of showing you that the Democratic Party is in really a lot of trouble. Okay, let's go back in here and see. I think that anything else I might have in here could probably wait. I think I got to most of the things I found were the most important. So, um, thank you, number 11. We are, uh, in Maine, we're quite active, actually. A lot of people are doing things behind the scenes or in just little bitty bites that they can do as they come up. So that's why I always have a lot to say is because we do this day and night, basically. We have an idea of what's going on all the time. Um, Desert Pete, are you coming on tonight? Or should we... Um, I don't know what that means, straight shot. I was trying to figure out what that means. No news to report. Oh, no. Okay. That's all right. Um, I should try to figure out what's going on. Okay, so this is 
November 30th, so we've got, what, a few weeks before Christmas. I'm going to try to come each week. I'm going to try to do it each week because things are slowing down here a little bit. We're getting caught up. This is the time of year in Maine where everybody is just like scrambling to get ready because we know that once that snow hits, it's hard to get things done. Um, people are getting their wood. They're getting their heat sources, making sure all their utilities are taken care of so that they can, you know, um, keep, you know, safe over the winter. We've had pretty good weather so far, so knock wood. But most of the people like we do, we bank our houses so that the drafts don't come up under the floors and, you know, make sure everything's okay out in the yard so that when the snow falls, you don't have to try to go find things and stow things away. And that's just what we do this time of year. Um, and it gets dark early, so we have to really go, you know, full speed ahead from the time the sun comes up until it sets to make sure we get everything done. So that's what we've been doing. Um, and I've been, like I said, I've been cleaning out piles and piles of stuff. So try to get my house decent. Um, he guessed nuts and numbers, GCC. I don't know what that meant, straight shot. Um <laughs> James Ken, he said slow months, not slow mouth. Braddy. Braddy. What else is going on? I know I think of you guys all the time, and I think, oh, they would want to know this. There's so much, there are so many people. I said guest number 11. I said number 11. I don't understand what you guys are talking about, probably because I'm not paying enough attention to the conversation. All right. Um, I've missed Table Danger this week, totally. I tried to get in there today, but missed it. So I'm having to go back and re and catch up things still. I'm behind. But whenever I listen, I connect some more dots. There are things I just I can't believe how complex these stories are, and yet they just come right together, and it never fails. There are people that you could at, literally call up and find out the one thing that's missing. We all know what's going on at this point. It's all exposed. The only thing that we don't know maybe are some of the names, but we know already, we already knew there were people who were getting, you know, taken into somebody's office and basically assaulted, which is coming out in the news now. We all knew this was happening. We just might not have known which person. But there are people under extreme duress. They, in a way, you can pray for them, hope that they're released from whatever imprisonment they've been in, some of them mental imprisonment by people who took advantage of them and scared them to the point where they couldn't act like normal people anymore. Um, I'm going to say right now, there, you know what they say there, but for the grace of God go I. Um, many of us can remember back to those years when we were young adults and had just left home and were starting out in life, how easy it would have been to compromise us. And in my case, I can tell you there were two or three different occasions where looking back on it now, I know that I was being recruited, but I refused. I refused them. I didn't know the scope of it, but thank goodness. Thank goodness I refused because if I had been, you know, in la-la land and not focused on what I wanted in my life, I may have gone off with some of these people. 
I was offered opportunities to go work somewhere. And now I look back on it, yeah, go work somewhere, probably never to leave the place again. You know what I mean? Scary. I was offered the opportunity to snitch on people. In other words, be like an informant. Hang around with people because I was friendly. I know I've told you about this before probably. But hey, you're friendly. You know everybody. and You're living in an area that we want to know about. So how about if we, you know, like pay you for information? And I told them, no, get lost. Why? Because to me, that would be the biggest betrayal of a friendship I could ever imagine is to be friends with people and then go and inform to the sheriff's department about what they were doing. And it was supposedly, you know, based on trying to uh, fight against the drug war or whatever. They've been fighting that forever. And the reason they do is because it's lucrative. It makes a lot of money for people to have that going on. You think about it. Who cares if somebody's sitting in the corner? I used to say that all the time. If they want to sit in the corner and drink Drano, what does it mean to anyone else? It shouldn't matter what they're sticking in their body. I'm sorry for them. I'll pray for them. If they want to be well, I'll help them. But I'm not going to care if they're bent on drinking Drano. (sighs) You know, they can buy Drano and that'll kill them too. So I said no. But what if I'd said yes? What if I said, hey, that's a good job. I could do that. I get a check. All I got to do is sit here and be friends with people. That's pretty cool. Man, some of these people, that's when they were compromised was back in those days. It was like probably the early 70s, late 60s. They didn't have a life after that because someone else owned them. So, all right, I think what I'm going to do, there was a really nice prayer somebody put on somewhere. I loved it. I saved it. Um thought I might use it at some point. I'm not a person who normally do, does this, but it was um, it was for people that were afraid, basically all the all the things that are going on in the world. And it was a it was a prayer. It was somebody who went to the trouble of writing this all out so that people could do it together. Um, and I just really liked it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different types of prayers going on. There's the ones where you have your own conversation, and you, you know, like I say, I don't believe in a whole lot of public praying type of stuff because I feel like it's too much for showmanship, and not so much for communication with our Creator that we should be having. But I liked the way this was written. And it had, like, um, citations back to the Bible and things like that. I saw it on November 18th. Uh, The fact that I saved it was because I felt like it should be shared. So I'm going to read it. I'm not a clergy person, obviously. I did think about doing it one time. I thought about how, you know, it would be kind of interesting to go to seminary and learn all these things and then become a minister myself. And I thought, you know, I don't know, because I feel like if you isolate yourself to one thing, 
and that's just my personality. Not everyone's the same. Some people are happy going to the same job for 45 years and going home and eating dinner and going to bed. I always wanted to be a generalist, a person who knew a little bit about a lot of things and could just look at the big picture and things like that. And I thought it would be limiting because if you're a minister and you have a church and you have the people that you serve at your church, that's just a small group of people. And even though it's a noble thing to do, and and I think there's a lot of good people that are ministers, it's limiting. That's really all you'd have time for. And I couldn't. I just had too many other things, too many other interests and family and all these things I was doing. So that's why I never did it. But I always had this in my, kind of in the background. And like I said, when I was a rainbow girl, back when I was young and in the going to rainbow in the Masonic temple, which I look back on now and I just go, okay. So that's why I know things about why I was interested enough to find out things about Masonic um, living, etc. Um, I was chaplain for a while. You know, my church, I was the president of my youth group. I used to go in and help plan services for like teenagers and things like that. And just, it was always there in the background, the, you know, different things that I did. And I haven't gone to church in years either, which is really funny. Anyways, I'm just saying that so you don't think that I'm like going to be praying to you all the time. No, this is a prayer I saw that someone else wrote. So like I said, I saw this um, November 18th, 2017 on the internet somewhere. I think it was in comments, probably on Godlike Productions or something in relation to people being afraid of what was going on in the world. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus Christ, I forbid and block all satanic and demonic activities from transferring to me, any of my family, or into our lives. I ask you, Heavenly Creator, in the name of Jesus Christ, to surround myself, family, and all of your children with warring angels. The blood of Jesus Christ is between us and the forces of hell. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind evil rulers, strong men, doorkeepers, and all demons of witchcraft, including Hillary Clinton and George Soros, Satan worship, human and animal sacrifice, black magic, witchcraft witchcraft control, mind control, mind or other occult working in me, my family, and throughout the world, each country, each state, city, township, suburb, street, neighborhood, block, home, and church upon all Satan's perpetrators, children partaking of and planning wicked and evil practices, I loose in the name of Jesus, spirits of confusion, forgetfulness, and destruction of evil works. In the name of Jesus, I loose God's mercy of salvation, adoption as children of God, Romans 8-15, to and permanent deliverance, civil war in Satan's kingdom, Matthew 12-22-32, Mark 3-20-30, Luke eleven fourteen to 23. Father God, in the name of Jesus, please place a special covering of warrior angels over each unholy ceremony, coven, witch, and warlock, so that no curse or demon can emerge or be sent. In the name of Jesus, I return to hell all curses and demons that the sender already has or will attempt to send In the name of Jesus Christ, we command Satan's demons to fight against and destroy each other. 
specifically we commend we command all marriage and family hindering, delaying, preventing, destroying, and breaking demons to attack the spirits of Ahab and Jezebel. We command the spirits of power and control to attack the spirits of pornography and eros, the spirits of violence and torture to attack all the spirits of human subjection, degradation, and submission. Let the spirits attacking us in us turn and attack the spirits of Roman Catholicism and masonry, the spirits of infirmities, sicknesses, weaknesses, deformities, and accidents. Let them attack the spirits of alcohol, drugs, nicotine, bad nutrition, and abortion. Let them destroy the spirits of mind control and darkness and attack the spirits of Leviathan and pride. Heavenly Father, we ask you to loose burning judgment and destruction upon all disobedient and reluctant spirits that fail to follow these commands promptly. We release the blessings shown in Deuteronomy 28 over us and ask the Father to send his angels to fight against these demons that are attacking us. We pray this prayer in agreement with Pastor Pat in Jesus' name. Matthew 18.18 Thank you, Father God, for sending your special angels to protect. Exodus 8. 22 to 23, hide and put a hedge around Job 1.10 and Hosea 2.6, all in the deliverance ministry, plus around the people and animals that would be sought out to be sacrificed or cursed. Thank you, Father God, for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That is my reading of it. Um, as I said, in the church where I went, we didn't do everything in Jesus' name. That's the only thing that really is different than Protestant churches in the United States. Some of them are more based on Jesus, and some are more based on the Creator. All right. Um, it was an interesting prayer to me, because basically it sounded to me like asking God for not just protection, but to actually stop the um, onslaught or whatever you want to call it of the evil forces that have been working against people in darkness and to um, turn some of it back on them, let them consume themselves. I had seen that written somewhere too where people were saying how evil consumes itself you can actually stand back and watch it doing it. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. So I believe that's an effective effective um, way to go, is continue to pray for people and hope that they can wake up. And because of where they've been, they will have knowledge that's specific to certain problems we're having that we can never get from being on the outside. So some of the insiders, hopefully they can wake up and do something about what they're able to. All right. Um, we've been skipping over the things with the NFL and all the protests and stuff because to me it's a lot of grandstanding with people with big egos. I don't really care about that. Our Senator Collins, she's been kind of a lot in the news lately because of the tax vote. Um, she's dancing on either side of it depending on who she's talking to. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um and, you know, both, mostly we are just continuing on like things have been going up here. 
So that's it. I think I'm topped out. And that's just about two hours, so that was pretty good tonight. We didn't go on and on forever. So I just want to thank you guys, and I will uh, hopefully, hopefully be back here next Thursday night to see all of you and have some updates, and maybe things will start to ease up a little bit as our laws start to take effect again and hopefully are being enforced the way they should be so we don't need to you know, worry about everything, people doing their own jobs and things like that. Can't wait. I want to see it. All right. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.